Listen up, high school and college sports fans. If you want to be in the know on all things high school and college sports, commentary, analysis, the latest news, and more, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Pine Belt Sports Podcast. And welcome to the Pine Belt Sports Podcast. I'm your host and sports editor of Pine Belt Sports, Andrew Rabbity. Uh, good to be back. It's been it's been a long week, I'll tell you. A lot to talk about as usual in the WUSM studio. Appreciate their sponsorship and partnership with this. So a big thank you to me and Willie Green as always. Like I said just a couple seconds ago, big time episode again. A lot happening. A lot has happened in the world of sports. Uh, gosh, it seems like something crazy happens in the world of sports uh, every week. You've got high school basketball playoffs, upsets, uh, teams I didn't think were going to get this far, as well as high school baseball battling uh, the rain. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Southern Miss goes toe-to-toe with Ole Miss last night, so a lot to talk about. Also, Southern Miss softball. Uh, I'm probably going to go to the Alcorn State game uh, at 4. It's a doubleheader. I'll get some work done, edit on the podcast. The real plan, I don't think I'm going to write anything up, but I want to be able to play an interview of Coach Levine, uh, in case you missed it, Southern Miss softball leading the nation in offense. So I kind of want to talk about their season and what's what's going on as well as Southern Miss baseball. That'll be later in the podcast, but that'll really be the only interview I have for this week, unfortunately. Another quick thing to note, I tried my hardest to hold off on recording so I could talk about if, if PCS basketball won. Unfortunately, the game was supposed to go off at 2, they are just now starting. I guess the game before theirs uh, went into overtime. So apologies to the PCS fans. Uh, I, I feel bad. I actually missed out on you guys last week, and I apologize for that too. But I, I tried this week. Just want to put it out there. So yeah, I, I mean, let's get let's get started. Actually, let me tell you what the plan is for coverage for this week. It, there's so much going on. Uh, high school basketball is probably going to be. The, it is going to be the main priority of this week. You'll have the quarterfinals on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and then South State is on Monday, uh, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So th- there's a lot going on, and as usual, just one me. But Stan the Man Caldwell helping us out. Look for his coverage as well. I'll be tweeting it on the Pine Belt Sports account. So yeah, l- let's just let's just jump into it. So like I said, high school basketball has been crazy. It's March Madness in February. I was trying to think of uh, a cool nickname for it for my column. I didn't have anything good, but Freaky February is all I got. Um, yeah, whatever. But yeah, it's been March Madness type of 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 basketball season. I guess is the best way to put it. If you would have told me, and I think probably both fans, all of these fans, that Hattiesburg and Oak Grove would be out by the second round and pedal would possibly be on its way to a South State game uh, a month ago I, I don't think I would have believed you but here we are uh, and that's no knock to pedal it's just who Ogrove and Hattiesburg losing was just so unforeseen I think Oak Hattiesburg's a little bit more than Oak Grove everybody kind of knew if anybody was going to beat Oak Grove in the south it was probably going to be Harrison Central but 71-68 loss. That's tough to do on the road. Hey, they've had a heck of a season. They lose one starter. They're going to be just as good next year. So, eh, don't feel too bad for them. But 
like I said, they're going to be really good next year again. Pedal, I can't really tell you too much uh, statistically uh, on Pedal or uh, Harrison Central since neither of their stats are up on Max Preps, but, you know, Pedals, Caleb McGill, um, Traylon Smith, a heck of a ball, a heck of a duo right there. They're, they're as good as anybody. Todd Kimball finally got a Twitter account. That blew my mind more, probably just as much as Pedal winning. So, I, you know, I, I think I think Pedal could win that game. They, they're that team that has gotten hot at the right time in the playoffs. Pedal, Pedal could walk away with a win against Harrison Central. There's, there's no telling what could happen at this point in the 6A playoffs. Winner will get Biloxi or Gulfport, so it's pretty much just uh, the coast, you know, having its way with uh, 6A South. Uh, I don't think anybody would have guessed that. I mean, Biloxi and Gulfport are two really great teams, so uh, winner winner of the Pedal Harrison Central game will get that. Talk about Hattiesburg real quick. Hattiesburg boys, that is. Tough loss to Wingfield. I wrote my column this week. It, it'll be up when this podcast is out. Uh, so just in case I didn't say it, uh, recording on a Wednesday podcast comes out on Thursdays at 12. Uh, also, real quick, apologies for not uh, getting able, being able to get it out on Thursday last week. I, I got caught up in the office, and it just wasn't happening. So I, I got it up as soon as I got up uh, Friday morning. So, um, yeah, Hattiesburg losing to Wingfield was a tough one. And there's so many – it's not just an upset for Hattiesburg. They – they didn't lose at their best, which is the part that sucks about it the most. And when I say that, they were without Chris, who was out with an injury. He couldn't play, hurt himself on Friday. The bye week actually hurt Hattiesburg more so than helped them. Nick Walker plays with a jammed finger. He still put up 12 points, but he didn't look like himself, if that makes sense. So their offense really became kind of one-dimensional because you knew Cam Brown was going to be the one to try. They were going to try and put it in Cam Brown's hands, as they should. But they, you know, when they start double-teaming him on the full-court presses, they were able to force turnovers a lot easier. And don't get me wrong, no disrespect to Wingfield. They, played their, they, they had to play a perfect game to beat Hattiesburg, and they played a perfect game. I just wish Hattiesburg would have been at its fullest potential. The other thing that really stinks about this Hattiesburg team losing is that they're going to, I hate to say it, but they're going to kind of be forgotten in the history books. And I I will dare say this team is one of the best teams, this group of senior, the senior class at the very least, is one of the best in school history. And I, I think it would be them and the senior class that won the – it. I would bet that they are better than one of the two state championship teams that won in the 70s. Those two teams are considered the greatest ever. Look, I'm just saying this past group, without a doubt, should be up there in that discussion. They go 67-27 and 27 in a span of three years. They win the district tournament handily the past three seasons. It's just going to be a group of guys that were extremely talented that never got the state ring or got the chance to play for it. And... I you know I just want to be able to point that out that this that's what really stings about this Hattiesburg class losing is that there's always going to be the what if so that's my kind of uh, you know two cents on Hattiesburg I wrote a little bit about that in my column as well so I, I just 
wanted to give credit where credit was due because that was a talented group of guys. Going to 4A, Forest County loses to Northeast, Northeast uh, Jones. Not going to really get into that. I was supposed to go to that on Friday or Saturday. Things happened. I ended up having to go to Hattiesburg Boys. Either way, I was in for a loss. So, yeah. Let's jump down to 2A. I think that was probably the maybe the biggest, I don't want to say biggest upset win because Pedal getting in to the quarterfinals, I don't think anybody really saw happening. But North Forest knocks off Heidelberg. Heidelberg was supposed to be one of the teams to beat in the South. North Forest beats them. Yeah, North Forest is playing good basketball. It's interesting because you look at week one, and they had such that, that slow, slow start against Lake, a team with five wins, and now they, they knock off Heidelberg with 24 wins. So, like I said, it's March Madness in February. They will play Meat County, who is the other team to beat. They, t- 20-something win team, uh, they're really good. They average 69 points per game. They've won 14 in a row. They've been on a roll. They've been a juggernaut. Maybe North Forest is for the rock in the hard place, whatever the analogy is for it. But I that's going to be a good game. It's going to be a really, really good game. I haven't been able to make North Forest. I'm not going to be able to make North Forest this week, and I apologize to the North Forest fans because I want to see them play. Uh, but it looks like the only way I'll get to do that is if they go to South State. I don't pull for anybody since uh, you know I'm indifferent, but you want to cover winners. I want to watch North Forest play, so... There you go. The winner of that will get either St. Patrick or Philadelphia. Both really good teams, so we could see what happens. St. Patrick is supposed to be the better one from my understanding, but who knows? They gotta beat they gotta beat a meat county. Looking at and, th- and that's it for boys. There's only two boys teams left. Who who would have thought that there wouldn't be four boys teams or five boys teams at this point still? But like I said, March Madness, you never know what's gonna happen. There's more in fact for hindsight I thought there would only be one girls team left at this point and there would be four boys teams and in reality it's the other way around there's more girls teams still alive in the playoffs than there are boys teams and that's no knock to either side it's just you look at how a lot of the boys teams played around here you you thought would have thought that they were going to go all the way Uh, but looking at the girls you get the Hattiesburg girls this is the only team I've had anything picked correctly of my guesses and analysis of Hattiesburg girls they have a tough one they play they have to play 26 and 3 Brookhaven Brookhaven very very good ball club but but well let me put this out there leading scorer I'm going to butcher this name and I apologize Celentinia Collins 18.9 points per game they're pretty much their team looks like it's built around her so if you stop her you should win although only three teams have managed to beat Brookhaven like I said but if you look at the numbers look at the numbers I like Hattiesburg in this game here's why Brookhaven comes into this game averaging 59 points per game that's a lot for a girls team no disrespect but that's a lot defensively they allow 42 not very good you look at Hattiesburg, Hattiesburg scores around 48. That's solid. It's a strong number to have as a, a state contender on the girls' side. Defensively, they only they hold teams to 35 points. I like defense in this one. I think that's gonna be the difference. I think that's who's I think that's that's gonna be the difference in, in the night. Uh, I, I just think Hattiesburg's defense is gonna play be the difference, and I think Malia Grayson is playing 
as great of basketball as she possibly can right now. Along with Chloe Thompson, I don't want to leave her out either. She had a heck of a night against Forest Hill. Purvis girls never would have guessed they would have made it this far. Uh, shame on me, I guess. I, I knew they were going to have a very good team this year. I knew that they had the chance to make a run, and they're making the run. And I actually like them in this game. I said it last week if they, that they would get Raymond if they won, and they did. And, I mean, Raymond's 17-11. They, they, have a very, they have a pretty talented team. But it's interesting. So they have a junior averaging 23 points per game as their lead scorer, Sykeria Anderson. And then they have a freshman, uh, Leah Sutton, averaging 14 points per game. That's really their one-two punch. Purvis is not like that. It's more of a who's on that night and trying to beat teams defensively. And you look at the numbers. I like Purvis in this one, too, because of defense. Raymond... Averaging 53 points per game, solid. Giving up 49 points as a defense, that's not good. That's an ugly number. And you look at Purvis, they're scoring 54 a game, but holding teams to 38. And they're a very good defensive team, even when they were having their kind of lull in the middle of the year. So I like Purvis in this one. Of course, that doesn't mean anything because I was dead wrong for pretty much most of last week. So I hope I don't put the jinx on you guys. Finally, Sacred Heart still on that historic run. They've had the, I will say, they've had the benefit of having a very easy bracket, and they do again this week. I think every team they've played in the playoffs has had a losing record. But they get Shaw, 15 and 16 Shaw, and it's kind of interesting because these two teams are really similar. Sacred Heart doesn't have their stats up, but. I, I've watched them play. You know, everybody knows Gracie Fowler is the lead scorer. Kate Gallardo is the, the girl to beat in the paint. And then they have the other pieces of the puzzle. Shaw is a lot, is very the same. And everybody knows Sacred Heart's a very young team. Shaw's a very young team. Most of their starters are sophomores and eighth graders. And their lead scorer is their point guard, like Gracie Fowler. Their lead scorer is Caitlin Coleman. Uh, 17 points per game, 5-7 point guard. That's pretty much Gracie Fowler. And then you look at their second best player on the team, Zoe Feltzen, 5-9, 9.3 rebounds per game. That's their one-two punch. It just sounds like Gracie Fowler and Kate Gallardo. I mean, they seem very, very similar teams. And then oddly enough, you look at the other side of the bracket, Winner, winners. it's going to be a David and Goliath game no matter who wins on the other side of the bracket, no matter who wins between Sacred Heart or Shaw. You will get either 24-0 West Lounds or 24-4 Simmons. So one could argue, I'm not one of those, but one could argue that's the real South State. This has been a crazy basketball playoff, so who knows what could happen. Purvis, uh, by the way, will either get McComb or Moss Point. So... Interesting stuff happening in the world of basketball. Like I said, I'm I'm not going to be covering games on Thursday. Stan will Stan Caldwell will be at Sacred Heart on Thursday, Friday. I'm actually going to make a trip to the coast and go cover Purvis. Sorry, North Forest. And then Saturday, depend. And I'm checking my phone frantically to get PCS scores uh, because if, I believe if PCS wins this, they go to the semis. Championship game for MAIS is on Saturday. So my plan of action is to go back to the coast on Saturday, go cover pedal Saturday night, or or if PCS makes it to the championship game, I'll go to Clinton and go cover 
the championship game and cover PCS. It'll be my first time watching them, which I feel bad about because they're supposed to be they're, they're they are a very good team. Not supposed to be, but uh, trying to get scores as I uh, as I go in this thing. Like I said, I, I tried to wait around a little bit just so I could get an idea of how this was gonna go, so I could break down their their next game. But right now, they're down thirty nine thirty one. They might come up short, so but PCS had a heck of a season. Don't want to take anything away from them. Let's go look at high school baseball. I finally got to go to high school baseball on Monday. I didn't get to make any games on Tuesday. I apologize for that. I couldn't get out of the office. Learning how to design a paper has been hectic for me. But I got to cover Lumberton and Purvis. I was kind of, I don't want to take anything away from Lumberton and Purvis, but I was really looking forward to Oak Grove and West Jones. That game got rained out. Or canceled, I guess is the better way to put it. Uh, I was going to go to Gulfport Hattiesburg. Didn't see the score, final score for that. Didn't really see any of the scores from Tuesday. So I might not be completely up to date. But Monday, I got to go watch Purvis and Lumberton play. And let me tell you, that game just felt like the the illustration of what has been the start of baseball season in Mississippi is dealing with the rain. By the way, before I continue, Facebook Live, friends, you got questions, comments, whatever feel free to jump on in i uh, podcast listeners more of a reason to go go back or, or to make sure you can go and and watch on third or on wednesdays and if you have any questions or as always you can tweet me anyways back to what i was talking about purvis purvis is doing what purvis does i i don't know what to make of lumberton they're like a schizophrenic team i, I don't know how to explain it they one minute they lumberton is playing like a great team and the next they are just I don't, I don't know. It's been a weird three-game start for everybody. But I'm going to go through – the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to go through each team, all ten teams, give you as much info as I can, as much as I have, and I'm going to compare their start to this season to last year. Everybody's pretty much three, four games in at best. They should be in – there should be a lot more in, but rain has actually been helping me out because it's been putting off baseball a little bit, so – yeah, but I'm gonna start. I'm gonna just start with Oak Grove. Oak Grove picked as one of the contenders for 6A, and they rightfully should be. You look at last year, Oak Grove as a pitching staff, 2.68 ERA, 334 hitting. The only problem is you lost seven starters of your lineup, but you returned your entire pitching staff. And I said it last week: if they can figure something out with their hitting, which I think they will they're going to be scary again and they rightfully are they're off to a 3-0 start they're hitting 316 Liam Brinthrop hitting 600 right now which is crazy uh and that's in 12 at bats so he he's off to a hot start but even scarier is the Oak Grove pitching staff 0.74 ERA through three games Turner Swiss stack in his first appearance through 10 strikeouts gonna be a scary pitching staff Luke Lyons the Ole Miss commit Turner Swiss Stack, Southeastern Commit. Uh, magazine will come out. I, it's supposed to go to press, I think, on Friday or Monday. Uh, so it'll be out next week for certain. Uh, and there's going to be a, a big story on those two guys, so go read it in there. But, yeah, Oak Grove off to the 3-0 start, as they should be. And, yeah, it's hard to see. I say that, but you got George County, Pedal, all the same players and as usual in South State. So, it's going to be an interesting year. Looking at Pedal, P- 
pedal comes off that 13 and 16 season and if anybody knows how long it's been since they had a losing year comment um but i think it was like 30 or 40 years the last time they had a losing year under first year head coach shane kelly i don't think that's going to be the case this year um they start off the year two and one they lost to green county who threw green county has this ace who is probably gonna get drafted out of high school that they that got thrown against against pedal so yeah take that for what it's worth they're off hitting 296 and pitching a 3.00 ERA, which is great because last year they hit 271 and they threw 4.78 ERA, and that's in a year where they almost beat, or they had Biloxi on the ropes in, in the playoffs last year. So I think Pedal's going to be a really good team. Matt Mercer, I think he pitched last night. Haven't seen those stats, but I, I would consider him to be one of their main starters. So... I, I I'm telling you, pedal pedals back, and hope hopefully I'm not wrong because I don't want to be quoted or whatever. But like I said, they're off to a very good start, off to a much better start than last year too. Hattiesburg, I, I think they're still trying to figure things out. They were supposed to play Gulfport last night. Don't don't even know if that game got played. Uh, but I was gonna go to that. I, like I said, I got caught up in the office. Hattiesburg, the roles are switched. I, I knew their pitching staff was going to be very good. They st- have started the year. They're just two games into the season, or really three, but they're one and one officially in my book. They open the year with a win over Summerall, a very good Summerall team, but then lose 11-4 to four to Northeast Jones. Uh, pitching kind of hit a lull, but they're throwing a 2.50 ERA. They're hitting 268, which shocks me, because last year they hit 295, and I really thought those bats were going to be their main source of life to start most of the year with their pitching kind of coming along as they go. But Jerry Burkett's done a really great job, especially just coming right out of basketball. I, I, I like this Hattiesburg team. I I don't think you could sleep on them. Like I said last week, they just missed the playoffs. North Pike just got hot at the right time and, and beat them out. Hattiesburg's going to be a team to watch. That's all I can say. I think people kind of forget that this team dominated 5A South for three years and won a state championship no more than two years ago. Looking at Summerall, Summerall is off to a 2-2 two two start, but gosh, they have played a very tough schedule to start the year. They lose to Hattiesburg and then lose to Seminary, uh, and then they play Taylorsville, and I think it was Columbia they picked up their two wins against, but tough schedule to start the year, and if, if you go look at the rest of their schedule to start the season, it's pretty tough. It's not the easiest in, in the world. Hitting is the concern, as I thought it would be. Hitting 186 right now as a team. They have to replace pretty much their entire lineup uh, from last year. They're kind of similar to Oak Grove, but not as explosive as a lineup they lost last year. But pitching staff is doing great. They're throwing 2.50 ERA. Uh, I think uh, Hayden Hayden Barrett threw 10 strikeouts the other night. Cross Sibley opened the season with 10. They got 39 strikeouts as a team right now, which is absurd. Uh, they threw a 1.78 ERA as, as a team a year ago, but the key to them getting to the state championship last year is that the bats were hot and like i said 32 wins last i said this last week 32 wins last year they go to the state championship and lose to new hope but they hit 304 they're nowhere close to that and that's something that's gonna have to get figured out quick um but and i think it will uh i i think i think with all of this rain and i i wrote about this in in my front page story for the paper this week is 
games, like non-division games, are basically live scrimmages for everybody because nobody can practice because of all this rain we've had. I mean, it's been raining, it seems like, for two two straight weeks. Nobody can practice. But both Lumberton and Purvis on uh, Monday night <laughs> talked about this practically being a scrimmage. The fact that they got seven innings in was huge because they want to get guys on the mound. They want to get guys to be able to see at bats. And I think everybody's going to kind of have a sluggish start um, to the season, so it's so I I don't think we'll know who's who until about eight or nine games in. But Purvis is off to a three and zero start. Like I said, I was at their ten six win over Lumberton. Game got called in the top of the seventh, but really a telltale sound of both uh, telltale uh, of how both teams' seasons could go. Worth pointing out, Lumberton caught a few lucky breaks. The mound was so flat from rain. Uh, third base was a mud pit. You'll see on the front page if you go by the front page or go look at it, Jesse Johnson's just drenched in in mud, making a play to uh, uh, I think home plate. But it gave them a few runs. I think three Purvis committed three hours, but it, it was really because of the field. I don't think those errors happen if it's not raining. But made for an interesting game. Uh, so Purvis off to three and zero start. They really swung the bats well against Lumberton. Lumberton, of course, the question mark for them was pitching. Uh, but Purvis, 281, uh, they're throwing a 1.59 ERA. Jesse Johnson, Dakota Lee have really only pitched once a piece. So uh, I like I like how I, – I, I think this Purvis team is going to be a lot better than what Tony Farlow was thinking before the year just because there were so many question marks of guys he had to fill in. A lot of guys making the jump from JV to varsity who have never really seen a lot of varsity time but have been around the program for a while. But I, I think Purvis is going to be fine. And for the sake of an interesting year, I, w- I would like to see Summerall and Purvis uh, duke it out again just because they're always fun to watch. Last year, the interesting thing with Purvis is they came off a, a somewhat disappointing year, bounced in the first round, go 14-11. and 11. There was so much hype because they had a lot back. And they only hit 267 and throw a 3.09 ERA as a team. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens for, for Purvis this year. Forest County... Is another one I'm curious to watch. That if as if that district can't get stacked uh, anymore. Forest County comes out with a win over West Jones to start the year, and then they lose to Powerhouse St. Stanislaus, um, and kind of a close one too. But they're only hitting 200, and they have a 5.00 ERA. But I like what Garrett Steelman's doing with this club. I, I like how I, I think the pieces are there for Forest County. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again this week. I think Forest County could really surprise people. They go 4-16 and 16 last year. They go through a coaching change in the middle of the year, hit 213, a 6.18 ERA. That's atrocious, but I don't think it's going to be the same. I, I really do think um, they, could have, they could have a heck of a season. If you go look at and their non-district schedule is tough too. Like I said, you start the year at West Jones and St. Stanislaus. I don't think it can get much tougher for most schools. Jumping to 2A, I really can't tell you anything about North Forest other than what I said last week. New head coach, Sean Pounds, uh, they opened the year to uh, a loss to Bay Springs, so they're 0-1 to start the year. I think they finished 2-11 last year. That doesn't sound right. That's what Max Preps has them at. Uh, I can't really tell you much other than I think they're going to be able to swing the bats pretty well. But they have a young team, uh, a new coach. I think this year is going to be growing pains for them. But if Pounds can establish the culture, they could be a good team. Lumberton, like I said a few minutes ago, such a 
crazy team. I don't I don't think Lumberton knows what to make to make of themselves yet, to be quite honest. Uh, I knew pitching was going to be the headache for them. It was kind of the headache for them last year. Last year they threw a 4.12 ERA, uh, losing the second round of the playoffs. But this is a pretty different team all the way around, with the exception of a few few guys. New head coach, uh, lost a lot of starters, all new pitchers for the most part, with the exception of Drew Townsend. So last year they hit 355. They come out the year hitting 333. Doesn't shock me at all. A lot of their key hitters are back. Uh, Sam Allen's a big name. Rodney Parker's another one. They, they the bats are there, and I and I think they're going to be a very good hitting team again. It's the pitching that needs to really come together. Um, I didn't really see that great of a night of pitching for Lumberton uh, against Purvis, but like Hendrick said, they I, it generally it genuinely looked like his guys have not been able to touch a mound. And that's true because Tyler Bush pitched. He's been in basketball. Um, uh, the little Walters, uh, Dakota Walters, his brother, I, I can't remember his first name, but he's he had ate, ate up a majority of those innings. And he just looked like he just needs time on the mound. A lot of those kids look like they need time on the mound, including for Purvis. And and I just saw the back end of both teams' pitching staffs. But both teams can really swing the bat. I think that's going to be key for both of them. Finally, uh, well, not finally, Sacred Heart <laughs> off to a 2-0 start with Larry Watkins, who hasn't even been able to watch his team play until his whole team play on a baseball field, probably up until last week. 2-0 start. They're swinging it, and they swung it pretty well last year. They swung 271, but everybody's back. Uh, they have a They're swinging it. 378 in a 2-0 start. Pitching a .78 ERA. There's no no better combination right now. I know it's two games, but I think this is going to be a trend for them. Larry Watkins had his work cut out for him, and, man, he's really piecing it together. It's worth pointing out they had a lot coming back as a team, and there is is and was talent with that team. They got they went 8-12 last year, lose to us. Sabas Pool. I know I'm saying that wrong. Couldn't say it last year on the podcast correctly, but but yeah, I, I think Sacred Heart's going to be really interesting to pay attention to. Their biggest competition, and really, I think the telltale sign for if they're legit or not will be against Resurrection and District Play. Because really, you look at the first ten games of the season for them. If they're playing like this, those game those teams are going to be easy wins. So you could see Sacred Heart open the year with the. 10-0 start to the season or something like that but resurrection always has a great team they always have great pitching and i think we're gonna have to wait and see it's fun to see sacred heart baseball being successful as it is for any team looking at pcs pcs much similar situation lost really two starters everybody's back they're off to a 3-1 start can't tell you the stats on them last year but the pitching staff is the difference, and, and they didn't really have that last year. I guess it was just a matter of developing arms because Holden Dykes really had to take on a whole lot, but they're throwing a 2.72 ERA. That's pretty good. Um, Hayden Norad, I think that's his name, really great start onto the mound. They're hitting 256. I think we'll see that gradually go up, but conference is always tough for PCS and in the world of MAIS. So I think... PCS is off to a very good start, and they can, as we all know, they can be a very good team uh, or a very good program. So that's that's all I got for high school baseball and high school sports. Uh, so much going on right now, and I haven't even been able to look at softball yet. I feel bad for that. 
Um, I, I know, I think Oak Grove and Purpose, I'm curious to see how Pedal plays, and I'm curious to see how the Purpose girls are. I can't really tell you much else on anybody else in the area, but that's going to be an area I work on uh, in the coming weeks, as well as my plan My plan of action for you soccer fans is the second high school basketball is over with, I think is when I'm going to do figure out and sit down and crunch the numbers on soccer player of the year. So be patient with me. I know it used to get released a lot earlier. Keep in mind, I pretty much missed most of the regular season, so cut me a break even if you don't agree with the picks. But that said, let's um, let's jump over to Southern Miss softball. They're leading the nation in offense. Nine point, I think, five, six runs a game. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Madison Rayner's hitting 481. Amber Pax hitting 448. Hannah Borden, a freshman, hitting 400. You got three people hitting over 400. That's crazy. Mind-blowing. They're hitting 332 as a team. Ten home runs on the year. Amber Pack has three of them. She hits a grand slam to end the game on, uh, I think it was Sunday or Saturday. Um, haven't played the toughest schedule. And I hate to say this, but a telltale sign of the truth of this team was against McNeese State. McNeese State is a softball powerhouse. They're kind of they're very underrated baseball team too, but they're a softball powerhouse for the Southland. Every year it seems like they're playing for a super regional or in the regional. They're they're very good from where they come from. It's not just they're a good Southland team or they're a good, you know, small end program, but they're genuinely a very good softball program they can play with the big boys easily i mean they're 14 and 2 coming in uh tuesday night's game southern miss loses that game four to one the biggest question mark was going to be pitching and i think that was the difference in that game although you can't win games with one run and, and be the you know the leading offense in the nation but pitching has held its own i think it's it's as good as anybody else can ask for. It's a 2.97 ERA as a team. You want to see it a little bit lo- lower. But Kaylin Ladner's pitched great. McKenna Pierce, uh, she's only made four appearances, and she hasn't really been had a chance to get going. But in just, um, in, let's see, nine innings of work, she's throwing 13 strikeouts. Uh, something to pay attention to. Savannah Wood, the freshman, has really made an impact. Uh, or has been seeing a lot of time, I guess, to make up for not having Pierce, who was had had to deal with an injury to start the year. But Wood, 21 innings, second most on the team. Kaylin Ladner's got 22. She's got 26 strikeouts and just the nine walks. Ladner, for context, with 21 and 10. So there's this pitching staff can easily hold its own against anybody. Um, I, I do I do want to see them play tougher teams. But, you know, that that is what it is. The schedule is what it is. It's not the toughest non-conference schedule in the world. But they do get Mississippi State, I think, in two weeks. So that'll be a big midweek game for them. The real telltale sign of this team is going to be when they play Jacksonville uh, State. Uh, for those of you who don't know, powerhouse softball team. They're in the regional every year, it seems like. And they're going to have a three-game series against them. I think Southern Miss actually won that series last year, but... That's going to be a telltale sign for them. That's going to be in about two more weeks. So a lot a lot to – we still have a lot to see, but from the way it looks, I mean, this team is, I think, 9-4 and four on the year. They've lost a couple games they probably shouldn't have lost, but, you know, uh, when – I think that's kind of just 
the growing pains of trying to figure things out as well as a new coach. Because I'm losing to Purdue, Fort Wayne, and Southeast Missouri State are games you don't want to lose. But Central Arkansas was a big win for them. That's an underrated softball program. They play Alcorn State tonight. My plan of action is to go to the game. I'm not going to write anything, but I'm going to go to the game. If They should win both of those games relatively easily. Um, so I, I'm, the hope is to play an interview from that game. I want to talk to Coach Levine about you know what's been happening you know this team's offense and how things have been happening maybe talk to one of the top hitters so with that said for you facebook live friends you're probably getting a little confused but this is called editing i know i said this last week but maybe here is <laughs> the an interview post game interview after southern miss softball's win on wednesday night one of the best hitting teams in the country right now one of the best scoring teams in the country i mean you know this is exactly how you saw it and drew it up? Well, you would hope so. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but no, they're just hitting the ball really well right now. And, you know, pretty proud of them. They, they're getting good at bats. Mm-hmm. They seem they're not uh, they're swinging at, at strikes, you know, and not getting themselves out. So it's, it's good to see that. We work a lot on hitting, so uh, I'm not surprised to see it based off what I see in practice every day. How about that Amber Pack? Oh, she's on. She's incredible. Having a, I mean, I don't even know if she would have dreamed of having this kind of start, you know. I don't know if anyone would, but uh, man, she's she's on fire. Did you did you see this preseason with Amber swinging it like this? Yeah, yeah, you could see it uh, from the uh, when she was coming off her knee injury there, and then she was just just a solid hitter throughout the fall and into into the spring here. And uh, another thing, she's she does a really good job. She's just a mentally mentally strong person, so um, I think that helps her a lot at the plate. Uh, a lot of them talk about you developing their mindsets mm-hmm. at the plate what, I mean what, what, what is that exactly that you try and do I don't know it's just something that uh, you know for this game's a lot a lot of mental mental things go on in it and uh, if you can learn to, to, to be able to flush and have a short memory and uh, flush bad things that happen and just worry about the next pitch that's coming at you that's kind of the things that we try to, to teach them and, and you know uh, try to let them know that the mental part of the game is as important, if not more important, than the physical part. How has your transition been as a new coach with the new staff um, coming into this team? Oh, it's been great. It's been great. The people here are incredible. They've made it really easy for me. Um, so uh, the players have bought into to what we're doing and what we're trying to do. And, and uh, I think that, that, that always helps. We've got good senior leadership that, that passes that down to younger players as well as the juniors, you know, are good leaders as well. So they made it really easy, and I think they were – they were kind of desiring a change a little bit, I think, and um, and uh, they're responding well to it. What's it going to take for to make sure that this team is still swinging the bats like this come conference play? Well, I don't know. You know, that's that's the <laughs> mystery, isn't it? I mean, you just try to continue to practice and continue to work hard at it, and like I tell them all the time, just play one pitch at a time. And you know, that's not always easy. It's not always easy to, to have that short memory, but uh, I think as that mentality grows, and, and you know, we try to feed them a little bit, a lot, and I don't, you know. Um, not a lot, a little, you know, so yeah. um, just an everyday type of process is what we're trying to build. And we're back, and here is uh, here is th- my player interview from Wednesday's game. Four home runs now. Uh, I mean, did you see this coming, this type of success? Um, I kind of did. Um, we've been working very hard since the fall, and even through now, like this was just a matter of time, and like now that we're all putting it together, it's a great feeling. 
Um, I mean, is there anything different with your swing? Is there, are you doing anything different compared to last year? Um, I think I keep my hands more like close to my body rather than last year. I was getting kind of big, so it's just kind of like keeping my swing small and just simple. Is is there something different that they're coaching you guys to do compared to last yeah, season? Yeah, the mindset thing is all like believing we're the best because stats prove that we are one of the better teams. So like I think it's just us believing and knowing that we are the best. Four home runs right now. Uh, I mean, you're putting up some pretty good numbers. I mean, how, how much confidence do you have right now? I have all the confidence in the world. I have all the confidence in the world in our teammates. Like, I know anybody is anybody can get the job done. There's not a doubt in my mind that they can't. Um, in your home run tonight, what, take me through that at bat. What would you see? Um, I was just looking for a pitch across the plate, and I got it, and that's what I did. <laughs> Trying to hit it hard. Um, just let's go ahead, Mikaela. Uh, do you see the success in your non-conference play Following yourself, following your team into conference. Yes, we're gonna take this all the way into conference. Like I feel like this is just the beginning. Like we have a long road of success ahead of us, and it's great. It's exciting. All right, there you have it. Talking about this softball team, they're gonna play Mercer this weekend. They're gonna play in the Alabama State Tournament. Mercer baseball is good. Can't tell you anything about softball. Eastern Kentucky can't tell you anything about them except that their baseball team somehow beat LSU the other day, uh, and then they'll play Alabama State. So March sixth, and this is a home series. They'll play this this four their their stretch right before conference is going to tell a lot about them. They'll play Jacksonville State, and then they play Mississippi State, hosting them on that Wednesday night. So that then right before that, they'll they'll kick off conference play, and I I still think they could very well win conference if they're hitting the ball like this. Finally, let's go look at Southern Miss baseball. Gosh, it's been a roller coaster already I mean we all kind of expected that um, I don't think people really understood or people didn't give Central Arkansas credit the fact that Central Arkansas took a win from Southern Miss was no surprise to me because I knew that pitching was going to be very good and was probably not as respected as it should be but you get the series win you put the freshman into a rubber match game I'll tell you what though what killed Southern Miss is RPI in RPI. I know it's so early in the season to look at, but I'm going to kind of bring it up as we go along. They went into that Ole Miss game Tuesday night with the 31. They dropped to 62 just by losing to Ole Miss. It still has to kind of balance out. It's an algorithm and it's an equation that usually when you get to about 15 games in, it'll be a little bit more honest. But, yeah, um, Man, that's a tough one for Southern Miss to lose. And, you know, I think the biggest theme that we can take away from Southern Miss baseball right now is I think the lineup's fine. I think they're hitting the ball pretty well. The real, my real issue with Southern Miss baseball right now is leaving runners on base. I mean, you look at the, you look at the Ole Miss game. You had bases loaded twice. You go to the top of the ninth, two runners on, and you're best hitter at the plate, and you don't even get a chance or you don't even tie the game I mean what you can't be doing that uh I mean that that's gonna kill you you look at that UNO game I talked about last week 16 runners left on base Central Arkansas they left a lot of runners on base you can't do that that's runs being that's runs not getting cashed in and there's good and bad to it I think people were worried about the lineup and I don't think that's really the worry to think about anymore because uh, you know they're hitting two. Oh, they're hitting two fifty-five. So room for improvement. 
yeah, yeah, hitting 255, but you're getting on base, and that's what really counts. You're getting on base 380. There's there's room to improve in the lineup, no question about it. Pitching has been pretty stellar. Um, one thing I want to point out, I don't think people have noticed this or paid attention to it yet, but let, let's start with the center fielder. I don't want to call it comp, uh, competition. is a good word for it. Reed Trimble rounds first base and rolls his ankle. He's in a lot of pain on Sunday. He had been hitting the ball pretty well. He had the walk-off win uh, against UNO, and it looked like he was really figuring out center field. He was one that was kind of coming to his own, hitting 269. And Hunter LeBlanc comes in from my neck of the swamp, and he is he is killing the ball right now. He's hitting 364. He got two hits, I think, against Ole Miss. He racked up two more against Central Arkansas. I mean, he has a hot bat right now, and his gloves are pretty solid in the field. And I think that's going to, whenever Trimble's healthy, you know, that's going to be something to pay attention to because who knows how that could work out. Maybe somebody else could lose their spot. But Trimble was really working out for them, and I don't think that's somebody you want to completely take out of the lineup. Um, so that's the big thing I noticed. Will McGillis was finally back into the order, and he, he's been making a difference. He's hitting 389, actually leading the team in batting average behind uh, Charlie Fisher's behind him. His bat's been solid since the start of the season. So, yeah, there's a lot to work on in the lineup, but they're, they're hanging. They're hanging around with people, and everybody wants to be, wants to see them at least competitive. Pitching staff has been pretty solid. point. Eight ERA. I mean, you got numbers that throw that off. I'm sure if you take out Tyler Spring and Sean Tweedy, that'll kind of even out. But uh, Gabe Shepard has a tough one on Friday. Uh, really, the one I've been p- talking about and writing about is Drew Boyd. Gosh, it was great to see him pitch on, on against Ole Miss. I n- I've never watched him pitch, but I've known him for a while now. Watching Drew finally pitch, I think, is something that the staff's going to need, especially, I don't know if anybody read my stories, but the pitching staff is dealing with the flu right now. In the Central Arkansas series, they were out. They didn't have Drew Boyd, Matt Adams, or Sean Tweedy, who all three were out with the flu. They sent them away, quarantined them, and I use Scott Berry's own words. Drew Boyd actually had the flu, but I, I guess was healthy enough to come back and pitch against Ole Miss, and he, he had a really good outing. He, he's with a 3.0 ERA. Let's see, he's at 7Ks, so I think, I think Drew's going to really work out for Southern Miss. Uh, talk about this op- this upcoming weekend. McNeese State Baseball. Underrated baseball program. A lot like their softball team. Not as dominant, but they're the reigning Southland Conference Tournament champions. That's how they got into the uh, the regionals last year. 35 wins last year. Respectable. Uh, but they've had really good teams before. They've had 40-something win crews the past several years. Uh, Valparaiso, I think I'm saying that right. I'm going to be, be blunt. They, they stink. RPI, McNeese State could be big for them down the road. Uh, my my favorite comparison to use is in 2017 when Southern Miss hosted, uh, they played Xavier, and you know they they win that series against Xavier, and people forget Xavier won their conference that year, and I be, I genuinely believe because Southern Miss was on the bubble to host that year. Had Xavier not won their conference, I don't think they get the host that year but it, it, it's certainly a resume builder to pay attention to so if McNeese State goes on to win the Southland again that always helps McNeese State I don't know what to make of them yet because they've played a fairly easy schedule they've dropped two in a row to Nichols who can have decent baseball teams 
they opened the year with Mississippi Valley. They beat the bejesus out of them for the, for a four-game series. They're hitting, I think, 400 as a team. Their pitching staff looks really good on paper. I just don't know what to make of them. I think they'll get. I think you're going to get a competitive baseball team against McNeese State. Southern Miss will play four games. Uh, the first two will be against Valparaiso. They'll play one game on Friday, a uh, doubleheader against Valparaiso on uh, Saturday. I know I'm saying that wrong, so don't hold it against me. Then they'll play McNeese State on the second half of that doubleheader. And then on Sunday, they're going to play McNeese State again. So could be it's going to be a tough tough weekend because you if everybody still has the flu you're going to be short on pitching because you got four games to play not not let's not forget you got mississippi state next tuesday too so i maybe drew boyd's your guy for against mississippi state who knows could be something to pay attention to but you we're going to get i think you know if southern miss fans have been curious about all the freshmen on the pitching staff i think everybody is going to step on the mound this week and really, I think this is an important week for the lineup to really find some success. So, I think that's, I think that's everything. It was kind of a long-winded discussion uh, this week, but you can uh, always follow me on Twitter, Pine Belt Sports, on all platforms. You can go follow my Twitter at Andrew Rabbity, A B A D I E. Um, like I said, I am going to be at high school basketball playoffs for the remainder of the week. Uh, baseball magazine comes out next week podcast like uh, Thursdays at 12 o'clock yeah I think that's everything I hope that's everything I've, I've got covered so with that said as always I look forward to seeing you guys out there and keep it real Hattiesburg <laughs>